All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF, my podcast. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your patronage. Interesting show today. A double header. The amazing genius guitar player Richard Thompson talks to me for the first part of the show and plays a beautiful song. And next up, the amazing and singular Lemmy from Motorhead hangs out for a bit in the garage. We put I put them together for a reason. Perhaps I'll tell you that reason. They've both been playing a very long time. They're very different musicians. But what's interesting about them is I don't think, whether they said it or not, maybe I'm projecting, I don't know that they've gotten you know the 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 fame or the respect that they deserve. Either of them in their own worlds, in a way. Let me well, you know that that may not be true. I might be projecting that, but these are not huge stadium arena rock stars. Never were. These guys are specific, and they are the kings of their worlds. But what I found to be interesting is that they both grew up in England, not too far apart from each other, you know, age wise. And also just they both had amazing stories about who would who was around and who came and who they saw in England when they were kids. Because so much of, you, you know, that second wave of rock and roll, you know, really came out of England, you know, and I just uh, I thought there was sort of a connection there. That was my reasoning is that for some reason I got uh, I started asking these guys about other musicians and about who they saw and who they knew. And and uh, and I don't know why that happened. I hope it didn't seem disrespectful, but that's sort of why I put them together. All right, there you have it. I do, I do want to tell you this. The days of the whole are over here at the Cat Ranch. Many of you who have been with me since the beginning know that I have a fear and a dread of the powerful downpours that happen rarely, but do happen here in Los Angeles. That There are times when I hear an El Nino is coming that will not only end the drought, but will wash away the badness in los angeles there's going to be a storm so intense that people are going to be morally more decent afterwards it's going to be a cleansing storm i think it was called the great flood at one time when god did it the first time i just hope my garage floats but i will say this and some of you who follow me on the instagram and or maybe on the twitter and i don't like people that say the anythings but i just did it twice uh you saw the astounding cement squirter that uh, I shot as a morning greeting uh, in a video form. My driveway, I replaced my driveway. I have my driveway redone, and I now have a French drain that runs along the front of the garage. So no more mystery hole. For those of you who listen, you remember the mystery hole. I had this hole uh, right next to the garage that when it rained, the water would go in the hole. No one knows where the water went. No one knows. I've stuck hoses down there to try to track the water. Me and Dennis, my neighbor, tried to assess. Maybe it's going down the hill. Maybe it's going under the garage. Maybe it's going into Dennis's yard. Nope, we have no idea. The mystery hole. Just water went in. Don't know where it went. Not a good feeling. Could be a large hole beneath my house. A sinkhole, perhaps. But those days are over. I no longer have to rely on the mystery hole. I have a new driveway with drainage. And now, all my guests who park in my driveway... They don't need to fuck up their undercarriage, and nor do I. I'll tell you, man, cement finishers, there's a fucking art. 
there's an art to watch guys work cement and i look i'm not even a fucking truck guy and i don't think i was a truck guy when i was a kid but man to see those two cement trucks pull up and they have this separate motor car not a motor car like just a trailer that runs the cement through it and then into these giant hoses and it just it just poos out cement and they're they're working it and they're going up and down they're on platforms they're in weird boots and they're just uh they're moving that surface and they're making those lines it was fucking beautiful to watch it was like goddamn movie production over here it was very exciting here for a couple of days people drive by you know what you know what men love to do they love to drive slowly by anything that's being built or constructed any kind of construction i can't tell you how many dudes just slow down in front of the house and are like nice job Look at that rebar. Good job. Good work. Yeah. And I thank them as if I did it because I didn't know what else to do. Anyways, don't forget about the Hal thing. You know, all the WTF archives are now on Hal Premium. If you sign up for that at Hal.fm and use the promo code WTF, that'll get you a full Hal access for about $3.99 a month for exactly $3.99 a month. And if you already have a WTF Premium account, if you have that account, make sure you switch it over to Howl by emailing support at Howl.fm. It doesn't cost you anything more than what you already paid, and you'll keep your current price. I know some of there's a couple of bugs in the system. We're on top of it. We're working it out. This, you know, Sometimes this takes a little bit of uh, finessing with uh, new platforms and technological things, but I know that we are on top of it. All right, so let's move on to Richard Thompson. Many years ago, when I was applying to colleges, I applied to the University of Indiana in Bloomington. And I was a sort of like weird, kind of fragmented, self, uncomfortable, neurotic, uh, confused young man. And I went uh, up there to Indiana. I remember it was the first time I flew on a small plane to the campus. I stayed the night and I wandered around sort of like a, a weird amoeba, like an emotional amoeba not knowing what I was doing, not knowing why I was looking at a college, not knowing exactly what I wanted to do, not not comfortable with my haircut or my pants. You know, I think I went jogging up there and that was awkward. I, I can't explain it. But I wandered around for many years, like lost. And I remember I wandered into this antique store in Bloomington, Indiana. I don't remember where it was, but it must have been 1980. And there was a woman there who I immediately became enchanted with because I was just, I didn't know how to talk to people that well and I felt uncomfortable and I just wandered into this Art Deco antique store and there was this beautiful woman there. I tried to talk about music and I think I just learned about Brian Eno and I was trying to impress this woman there who was probably twice my age, but I had not talked to anybody and I was very needy. And I just remember at that time that she told me about Richard and Linda Thompson and it wasn't until years later Uh, when I moved to Los Angeles for the first time that um, I knew nothing of Fairport Convention at that time but it was years later I moved to uh, Los Angeles and I was living with Steve Brill and Pete Berg and for some reason they had the Richard and Linda Thompson uh, Shoot Out the Lights album and there's a song on there I believe it's that album called Calvary Cross and every time I heard it it almost made me cry the guitar playing was so insanely perfect and that's when I became just blown away by Richard Thompson and I had those two Richard and Linda Thompson albums, which were stunning. And then uh, I followed Richard Thompson's solo career. And no one plays guitar like that guy. And then years later, not too long ago, I realized that he played on some of the Nick Drake stuff. And then I decided that Mark Knopfler kind of stole his riffs and his style. I decided that. I talked to Richard about that. And I don't know, man. I've just, I've always loved the guy and I've loved his guitar playing. It was a real special thing for me to get to talk to him. He's got a new album out. 
that he was uh, working with uh, Jeff Tweedy, produced it, and uh, is there with him. And it's a, it's an amazing match, and it was amazing to talk to him. So let's uh, let's go talk to Richard Thompson. The last album you did at Jeff Tweedy's. Jeff Tweedy's Loft, yeah, yeah. which was uh, a great experience. And this, what's it called? The new one? Uh, the new one's called Still. So now recording with that guy. Yep. Now, now obviously, like. Every every guitar player in the world is a great fan of yours. I think if, if they know me. better, you, you know. How that. come I'm still poor? <laughs> well, that's well, that's the difficult thing about being the genius <laughs> that everybody aspires to be is like you invent something. Well, well, I think I'm a genius rather than a genius, but thank you anyway. <laughs> Homo sapiens, probably. Yeah. Well, nobody plays like you, and that's a rare thing. You, you, you know, like to have a sound that's so uh, specifically your own uh, is it's not it's not common. Uh, well, one tries to be different. Uh, you know, in a land of guitar players, yeah, you know, there, there are so many guitar players, uh, you know, they, 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 the number in the millions that it, it's it's desirable to be distinctive. And I really tried to do that since I was quite young, since I was about 16, I, I really thought. You well, always knew that? Well, you know, um, in the 60s in Britain, it, it, was, it was all blues guitar players. You know, you make Taylors and, and you're Peter Greens mm-hmm. and Eric Clapton. So I, I thought... You know, I've got to do something different. I've got to sound different somehow. So, so, so you knew that at sixteen. Yeah, because like, uh, where, where did you where did you grow up? Grew up in London. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And in was your was there any musicians in the family? I mean, did you? Uh, yeah, my, I mean, my father was 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 a kind of bad guitar player. He played sort of fairly bad um, dance band guitar, but he had great records. He had Django Reinhardt records. He had Les Paul records. Yeah, yeah. So I heard that stuff growing up. You know, yeah. I, 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 my grandparents had a Scottish dance band, uh, um, but, but I kind of missed that. That was another generation. Was there? But there, there seems to be something uh, uh, kind of uh, Celtic and exotic about the playing. Well, Celtic, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's a reflection of some of the music I, I, was, I was listening to. So, yeah. so, so I grew up listening to you know Django Reinhardt. You know, sure. rock and roll yeah uh, and scottish country dance music <laughs> yeah, plus yeah, yeah. Uh, you know um my grandmother sang in gaelic you know so she, she sang gaelic folk songs you know so, so i got this real mixture of stuff and when when you started playing what was the first guitar first guitar i had with it was a piece of a piece of crap <laughs> we can um, we can cuss here um yeah. and uh was it your dad's guitar um uh, he bought it at home. It, it was basically broken. It was an old Spanish guitar that that, that, that had been dropped. Nylon and, strings. Yeah, nylon strings. And, yeah. And um, so, so he repaired it, and and with the idea he was going to play it, or my sister was going to play it. But then I, I grabbed it first. And did you just teach yourself? Pretty much. Yeah. How well, to get um, those sounds? Uh, um, I also had a sister. God bless her. Who, who's uh, uh, two hours late for everything for yeah. life. <laughs> so, so so her boyfriends would come and pick her up. Right. Uh, and and she'd be she'd be two hours getting ready. Uh, so, so I I get a guitar lesson off her boyfriend's. Oh, so they, she dated musicians. Yeah, yeah. She, she seemed to. You know, I'm as a musician. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so that's how you learn. These guys would come over and they're like, "Let me show you some Chuck Berry." Yeah. So, so it was. It, it was it, yeah, Chuck Berry, but maybe you know, but a lot of Buddy Holly. You know, at the, the time, you know, Buddy Holly was a he's an underrated guitar player, I think, isn't he? He was a great guitar player. I, I mean, on some of his records, it's a guy called uh, Tommy Allsop. Who, right. Who yeah. Yeah. Band, who was also a fantastic guitar player. And. Uh, so that sound, so that so so you're up in, in when who's popular in pop music like when you're 16. I don't know how old you are, but like you, so you're listening to Buddy Holly and when I'm 16, uh, the, the, you know the Who were were, the, were they the, already a band? Oh yeah, they're they a great band. Um, so 
I, I used to go after school, go, go down to the Marquee Club in Soho and, and see The Who on Tuesdays. And they were um, almost like an R&B band then, right? They were an R&B band. But, yeah. but, but they, they, they were doing all the, the sort of the, the nihilistic pop art stuff as well. They were smashing gear and, they and, were. Uh, and wearing flags. And it was all yeah. terribly exciting. Uh, and they were, they were just an incredible club band. I mean, imagine that energy. Right, right. You know, in a 400-seater. Uh, so you, know. you saw all those those people playing and you knew that you could you needed to transcend that regular sound of blues. Well, absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, there was blues and soul and that's about it. Uh, right. And, and then, you know, Pink Floyd started to get rolling and the psychedelic thing came in. So Did um, you see them? Oh, yeah, yeah. We used to do shows with, with Pink Floyd. Um, I with Sid. With Sid uh, Barrett? With Sid, you know. And, and, you know, it was never quite the same after Sid, I don't think. It was, well, it was different. But well, it was, it was like the ghost same. of Sid. They were all just reckoning with his absence for the, <laughs> for the next 20 records. Yeah, but he, he had this extraordinary kind of uh, uh, whimsy to, to, to his music. Yeah. You know, and, and, and sense of fun and, and sense of humor. Yeah. It was just extraordinary. You got Fairport Convention. You guys were, how long were you with that band? Uh, about five, six years. And you toured heavy. Uh, we, uh, we 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 worked a lot. We worked a lot. And you opened for all these people. Uh, we opened for them. At some point, people started to open for us. So that was oh, very that's exciting. good. Yep. Yeah. And that's where you and Linda met. Uh, probably uh, yes, probably because Linda was a friend of Sandy Denny, who was in in, in the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I kind of you know got to know her that way. And when and you guys, when did you two decide to 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 sort of do it solo? Do it solo. Um. Uh, I was I was playing in Sandy's band. Uh, she was being groomed as a, a kind of a pop star, but but we didn't see each other because we'd both be touring at different times, different places. Mm-hmm. It, it was the, the dilemma of having two musicians, uh, yeah, yeah, in relationships. So we thought, well, we could just team up, you know, and do stuff together. You know, we we'll just play around the folk clubs. And we'll keep it small, you know. But at least, and we're, were you we, dating we, at that time? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is after we we started, you know, yeah, dating. That's a nice, nice word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, that, that just seemed a logical move, you know, and, and uh, we, we could have a life together. What shifted it into? Because those were big records, the two Richard and Linda Thompson records. Well, the, the big, big in what sense? Big, big. For, well, uh, I mean, like, like I knew about Fairport Convention. I'm like, I'm 51, so everything that uh, most of what you did from that period, you know, I'm getting after. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't yeah. conscious uh, enough to know, but I know that, like, uh, I want to see the bright lights tonight, and um, and shoot out the lights like at some point when i was maybe a freshman in college someone says like this is the shit i mean this is important okay. records well in the way that you know trout mask replica you know which sold sixty thousand copies was the record you, i think you know, it was a little more accessible than trout mask replica but, I think, but, but, but similar sales probably less actually I, I mean we're talking about cult records i, I mean you know but bright lights was a cult record Shoot Out the Lights was still a cult record. These were records that, that never quite hit the mainstream, never, never hit the charts, really. But, but so, is this a... Do you I'm, have, I'm in the charts now. Right uh, now. I wasn't then, yeah. With the Tweedy produced record. Yes. How's that feel? Uh, it feels uh, immensely rewarding. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I mean, what, we, we hit number six in the, in the UK album charts, which is... Uh, well, congratulations. Which is uh, actually incredible for an old folk rock dinosaur like me. Was that like 50 years coming? Uh, what... about, about 50 years coming. I mean, we were up there with, <laughs> with t- Taylor Swift, you know. Oh, my God. That must feel <laughs> fucking great. It's That's okay. It. It's okay. Yeah. Well, if people still sold millions of records, you know. It, it, well, you're, the, well, you're always going to figure out a way to frame it so it's not quite, you know. Okay. Yeah. Right? Is that yeah. true? Yeah. Like, but you're telling me that, that those two Richard and Linda Thompson records were not, they never sold big. 
No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And who, like, who was guiding you at that time, like production-wise? I mean, how? Who was like? Who made sort of decisions that? You, like, I don't quite understand how it all works because you were obviously singled out as like this amazing guitar player. I mean, you were doing a lot of studio work at the time. Like, who guided you through that? Was there a producer that was like, "You're the guy"? <laughs> um, well, it varied from from place to place. Uh, in Fairport, Joe Boyd was a tremendous uh, influence on us and, and, and a guiding hand. You know, a, a kind of eminence grease, although he's probably about twenty two at the time. Um, uh, perhaps not so grease. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is eminence. Um, and what was, what was he known for? Uh, Joe was uh, he he was uh, the stage manager at, at, at Newport Folk Festival when Dylan plugged in and went electric. Oh, he, oh, he was there. Uh, yeah, he, you know, he signed the incredible string band, Fairport Convention, Pink Floyd, but made the first Pink Floyd records. So Joe's one of those people with really good taste. He's an American guy. American guy, yeah, yeah. But, but he's lived in in the UK for a long. Is time. Is he still around? Yeah, he's still around. Joe was a great, a great um, a guide for us in the early days, and and then I mean um, the the early stuff um, I was producing w- with the engineer John Wood, uh, the, the, the Richard and Linda stuff. Well, those two records, the Richard and Linda Thompson record. I yeah. mean, did, we, like uh, Calvary Cross is on one of those, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, that, I love that song. Okay. Like, that, that was like one of the first time when I first heard that. It was like so haunting, I couldn't stop listening to it like on over and over again. You're weird. I am. Yeah. Am I picking the weird songs? Well, you're just not not the normal demographic we expect. Well, like uh, that would that song and like from the solo album <laughs> when when the spell is broken. That one brutal, yeah, okay. brutal. Okay. But okay. Th- but there is a heaviness to most of your music. Am I misreading that? Um, serious maybe. Okay, serious, serious. Well, you know, I, I write a lot of love songs, and I think. Um, it's uh, flippant to, uh, to 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 say I, I love you. You know, here's a few flowers. You know, uh, isn't 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 love great? A little tension um, to it. You know, yeah. I mean, the, 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 that's a nice song and that's good. But but to do justice to, to love, I think you have to go a little deeper and you have to say, well, I love you in, in spite of. You know, we're, yeah. we're together in spite of this, uh, this 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 and this this horrible thing. You know, yeah. Um, you know, we've been thrown <laughs> together. You know, so sometimes you know, love's like you know hanging on to, to a to a life raft in the in, in the middle of, an, of a storm. You know, yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. there are other things to consider. So. Sure. I, I like to go a little bit more deep, right? And there's also the the element of uh, sometimes love is is fraught with drama, yeah, and fraught, fraught uh, with drama and pain and pain, and, lots and, of pain, yeah. you, and you're not sure whether that's why you're in it. Uh, yeah, so uh, you know, it, it's um, there's a lot of facets uh, to, to deal with here. Well, right, and I've talked I've talked to other songwriters like you know I had uh, who like like Nicolo. Like I made this mistake with Nicolo, you know, because I assume because of what I do as a comic that uh, you guys are living every song. Like I I when the Beast in Me I decided was Nicolo talking about himself. Okay. And, and it was very jarring to me where he's like, no, I, I write songs. I don't yeah. I don't live them. Do you find that, that you write songs or do you live them? Um, I write songs, first of all. I, I think you, you have to be able to live them as well. But, yeah. but, but um, you, you, if, if you invested everything. I, I had a great interview with, with a um, classical um, uh, a pianist. And, mm-hmm. and she said, you know, if I truly felt everything that, that Beethoven put, put into this. I, I, I would destroy myself every night. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to. I, I collapse on stage. I would not be able to. So, so I have to hold back something. Right. So some, Profe- some, it's professional. Yeah. In order to be, be a professional, I, right. I, I have to somehow contain this, this incredible emotion that, right. that comes from the music and, and get through it. Right. And, I, and I feel often performing and, and writing as well. You know, sometimes if I'm writing, I, there are tears like streaming down my face. Really? Yeah, really. Oh my god! And then afterwards, you say, "Okay, well, you know, you, you, you kind of have to now, now contain that and kind of put that in a little box and, and kind of." Um, 
you know, bring, bring it out occasionally for a concert. But, right. But, um, several times, maybe. Uh, so maybe a hundred times. Maybe, right. Maybe a thousand times. That's interesting to me because yeah. I guess that's the that's the the difference between. Um, that's being a professional yeah, is, is managing, you know, that uh, the magic of a song. It's just managing the power of it. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, music is powerful stuff. And, oh, yeah, man, and, yeah. And if you, if you feel it deeply, that then um, you really have to have uh, uh, methods to, 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 to convey it to other people. To and you've known music. people that have destroyed themselves. Uh, with well, music, in a way, with, having with, with music, I, I think I think more with lifestyle than with music. Well, how, what really, was your truly. relationship with Nick Drake? Nick Drake. Um, Nick Drake uh, was not unusual in 1968 in in saying nothing. You know, um, in any in given situations. Um, you know, a conversation between myself, who was incredibly shy, yeah, in 1968, and and, and Nick Drake would, would be um, <laughs> no. a, a pretty sparse. You know. <laughs> Uh, I don't think a, a word would not be spoken. You know, right. But, but he and I could, could sit sit in a room uh, as we used to occasionally, uh, uh -huh. and just sort of, um, you know, not look at each other and um, the, nod and, and you know, and smile. understand. Yeah, but 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 you know, in 1968, that this was not unusual behavior. <laughs> for, there were a lot of people like that in the folk scene. Uh, you know, folk, folk scene. Ro you know, rock scene, psychedelic scene. Um, the, well, the, everybody the, was too high to talk. Uh, the people people were, were drugged up. Yeah. Um, but but also it was considered kind of okay, you know, to to, to be you know sort of psychotically inward looking. <laughs> As, 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 a, as a way of life, you know that, that was just fine. And and the, and the few that were able to capture it, you know, in music, uh, were were the gifted. Uh, I think so. The yeah. other people just drifted away <clears throat> quietly. Yeah, that's very true. And and, and there, there, was, there was a few people sort of, you know, sort of standing on the edge, sort of sort of watching and thinking, how can I market this? Right. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And that they became the managers. You right. Know? Well, thank God for them on some level, or else you'd just be wandering around the street, being quiet and playing somewhere occasionally. Yeah, I, I, I don't quite say thank thank God for them, but no. You know, that's well, a, I mean, it, yeah. it's a it's it's another uh, uh, painful sort of troubling relationship. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be any way around the business. Sometimes. Sometimes, but I mean, in, until no. you get a reputation for yourself, and you can say, like, you know, well, fuck you, I can fill this place without your help. I suppose so. But you know, the, um, art interacting with with comets is always a, a, a slightly uncomfortable um, uh, friction. Yeah. Have you had a lot of problems in that area? Uh, I don't know anybody who hasn't. Right. You know, at, at, you know, at some point in your life, you're going to sign some stupid contract that 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 never goes away. You know, for your whole life. Do you have one of those? Oh, I've got lots of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, with publishing kind, or is it what? Is uh, it? Yeah, lots of publishing. You know, some record stuff. Although that that's changing now. That you know, the, the laws are changing in some cases where where, where you you can uh, now um, recover your, your older records. I think it's after thirty years in in, in the U.S. Anyway. It's a good time for you. Uh, well, 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 you got I, hit I, on I, the I, charts. I, unfortunately, uh, the majority of my records are actually recorded in the UK. Uh huh. So that hasn't quite happened there yet. Oh, but they but yeah, you know, the, the laws are slowly changing. You played on how many Nick Drake records? Two. I think I did. Uh, yeah, the first two. And Th there's only three. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and what 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 happened to him? What happened to him? Yeah. Um, I, I think he he, he had um, you know mental issues. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, he was fragile. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this was brought on somewhat by drugs. I suspect maybe it was, but but but, but he was fragile. Um, I don't think he was intending to to, to, to kill himself. I right. Think, I think he just uh, mixed up some medications. Um, Bad know. mix. Yeah. Bad yeah. math. You know, he, he was but um, back at his parents' house. Yeah. You know, uh, to live and and. Um, and it just went down. Yeah, seemed just just a fragile human being. But yeah, yeah, you can you can feel that in the music, and I sure guess that's can, what yeah. people gravitate to. Were you guys friends? 
or you just hired guys? I wouldn't say friends. Right. Um, I don't know if Nick had any friends. Well, I suppose, he, he, I suppose you know, John Martin was a friend um, of Nick's. Um, John Wood was a friend of Nick's, but but uh, he didn't have a lot, lot of friends. Um, you know, he was really, really difficult to to um, to get anything out of. Yeah. Uh, and, and at the time, I didn't have the skill to do that. Right. But you played some beautiful leads there and some beautiful background. I tried there. to, yeah. But they're, they're fantastic records. So some, some of those tracks are just... Uh, mind-blowingly good do you remember like it you know as a kid or when you were playing because i mean i know that clapton talks a lot about when the band sort of did their first record or or, or like or, or pete townsend sort of talks about when hendrix showed up for the first time in london that it was oh, like fantastic, oh, yeah. oh my god it's uh, over the uh, game, <laughs> game, that guy won uh, no it, it, it was incredible and they were all there you know they're, they're, all, they're all sitting together i think uh, you, you know um you know eric and, and townsend yeah. and clapton and all of them were sitting there uh, and um uh, it was it was the week Sergeant Pepper was released. Were you around? Oh, I was there. Oh, yeah. you were there. I was there. And, and um, <laughs> and so Henry Hendricks comes out and he's learnt, you know, the, the first track of Sergeant Pepper. So oh, right, Sergeant right. Lonely Hearts Club. Band. Yeah, yeah. So, so he opens with that, and, and it's it's all kind of fairly true to the tune until he takes a solo, which is like you know from space. You yeah, know, right. it's like or, or you know it's like Ornette Coleman right. suddenly sort of right. started channeling through, through yeah. Jimmy. You know, and it's all you know it's just the whammy bar and the whole right, thing. Right. You know, and uh, you know, mouths are dropping in the audience. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the song, you know, um, he starts tuning his guitar and he says, uh, "Hey, Eric, man, are you out there?" Yeah. <laughs> There's a little voice said, "Yes." <laughs> yeah. He said, "Could you come and tune this for me, man? I can't make out a tone." <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, j- just the fact he had the balls to kind of do that, I thought it was hilarious. call him out. You know? Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. So he he had he definitely had something to prove when he was over there. He wanted to, he wanted to show. Well, you know, he he really did. Yeah. He and really did. do you feel like that changed everything? Uh, I think Hendrix changed it for a lot of people. A lot of people, and it, it was an extraordinary kick up the ass, you know, for these people. I can't imagine being in that room. You know, like, can yeah. you remember it? Like, real? Like, do you feel it? Yeah, yeah. It, it was the it was the Savile Theatre. Um, How many is that seat? Oh, maybe a thousand. Yeah, eight hundred to a thousand. And it was uh, actually uh, probably less, maybe six to eight hundred. Yeah. And um, you know, it was a West End theatre that, that put plays on, and on Sundays that they were dark, so they yeah. have uh, they have music on Sundays. Right. And they had a series called, called Sundays at the Savile. And, uh-huh. uh, and that was the day he played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! But, but it was uh, it, it was it was great fun. Well, well, the thing is, he was kind of real. Yeah. Um, all these English guitar players that have really been learning the blues off of records, mm-hmm. uh, and, and um, American blues musicians have come over, you know, uh, you know, uh, here and there, you know, yeah. a few of them. But but Henry came and kind of embodied the whole thing. He was like very sexy, you know, incredibly physical. Mm-hmm. Plus, you could do anything with the guitar. He's like know. the history of American music. Yeah, in a sense, you know. And Blew he, it up. And he just went further. Yeah, you know, he did sort of outra- outrageous things and all this sort of showman stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. That the, the, the British guys had never even considered as as being uh, possible. You know. Yeah, it's interesting that because I never really thought of that, and it, it just seems that uh, like the British interpretation of the American blues, it was it's 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 kind of the the way they 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 went. Well, either you go the way the Stones did, or either you, and they, or you go the way the Fleetwood Mac did. Yeah, like they're like they're the purists, and then they're the guys that seem to pop it up a little bit. Well, well you know, in a sense, I mean, the the, the purists to me are less interesting. Uh, where bands like like the Yardbirds get interesting is, is when they start to write their own material. Yeah, and they're writing this stuff that there's somewhere between Tim Pan Alley and and the Blues. Uh, and and then they're they're adding something original, and with you when you as you approached it, so you, did you in your mind just sort of like overstep like or or just uh, forego 
the blues and stick with yeah, traditional? Much, yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, like everybody else, you know, I, I grew up listening to blues records for about the age of 12, you know. Who um, were your guys? Who'd you like? Um, well, the, the records my sister had, which was uh, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. Oh, yeah, acoustic stuff. Uh, Lightning Hopkins. Yeah. Oh, know. really? Uh, and I didn't really hear, you know, electric blues and, and, until much later. And did you have a relationship with the Stones? Uh, no, I mean, I saw the Stones in the early days. I, I wasn't very impressed with them, actually. Yeah, a little sloppy. Days. Yeah, they're a really sloppy band. <laughs> yeah, they were particularly good. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they improved later. I, I mean, the, the Stones, I mean, they're still a kind of sloppy band. Yeah, they vary, and it's, it's beautiful. But, but it's, it's just occasionally, you know, they'll, they'll hit, hit this it. thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, Charlie and Keith will hit this thing. Right. It's just yeah. the, the greatest groove, you know. So when you were coming up, though, I don't want to like, just talk about the, like, I love talking about these guys, but who were your primary, like, influences if it wasn't the blues? I mean, outside, like, Leonard Cohen, I mean, you obviously had people that were contemporaries or, or influencing yeah, you. Yeah. I mean, in Fairport, as a band, we were always a lyric band. Yeah. We love lyrics. So, um, uh, our earliest uh, cover versions were, uh, you know, p- people like Leonard Cohen, uh, Obscure Dylan. You know, we 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 uh, we went to Dylan's publisher and said, you know, have you got any uh, songs that the the Bob hasn't hasn't released? Said, oh yeah, here you are, yeah, but here you are, boys. Uh, they, they gave us a, a part of acetate recordings uh, that, that were basically the, the basement tapes. Yeah. So so it's '67. They, they gave us the basement tapes. We went to Joni Mitchell's publisher and we said, oh, we there's this girl Joni Mitchell. Um, you know, we'd love to hear what she said. Oh, same thing. You know, part of acetate. So, uh, you know, stuff before her first album. And they 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 just give them to you because if you record yeah. them, they get the publishing exactly. anyway. Yeah, it's, it's in the publishers' right. interest to do right. that. So, um, you know, we're always trying to find obscure stuff. You know, we go to great lengths to, to find, like, Percy's song but by Bob Dylan, which he never recorded. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but, 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 you know, it, it's, it's, in a, it's in a Bob Dylan songbook. Right. So, so we, we found the songbook, and, and, and then we found a version by Joan Baez, and then he sings, you know, one verse of it in, 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 in Don't Look Back, you know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we kind of piece the song together from, from these obscure um, places, you know. But, but uh, we're always looking for, you know, B-sides and, you know, and, and well, well, yeah, so that so you sort of like capture that, uh, you know, something exciting in the magic of these guys and yeah. then you just make it your own. Yeah, I, I suppose so, in a sense. But, but at a certain point, we, we decided, well, you know, we, we really have to be our own songwriters and, and, and so uh, then, then, then that whole era kicked in. And and did you do most of your writing alone, or with the with the band, or with how much did you write with Linda? Um, I'd say I did most of the writing, ninety eight percent of the writing, yeah, ninety eight point three percent of the writing. <laughs> um, you know, she she helped out on a, a couple of verses here and there, right? But but uh, yeah, I, I, and um, and that was a nice challenge too. It was having to write for you know from a female perspective as well. So, so that, that taught me a few things. And you, uh, how many kids you got? Uh, five. Oh, you do? Yeah. I think I I guess I I only know a couple of the music of a couple. Yeah, um, three of, of my kids are, are musicians. Um, well, I actually yeah. saw you at uh, at the uh, Chrissy Hine show. Oh right! I saw the back of your head, and you know, oh, yeah. I was with, <laughs> and I was with uh, my girlfriend. I'm like, that's Richard Thompson. That's his head right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I didn't realize. Well, I, I knew that was your daughter. That's Cammy. Is that yeah, her name? Cammy? Yeah. And her husband's a fucking hell of a guitar player, huh? Isn't he a great guitar player? Oh, my God. He's fantastic. So, so, so he, he was playing in Chrissy's band. We, What's we, his we, name we, again? James? Uh, uh, James Wahlberg, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's been playing with Chrissy for, for a few years. Um, right, and I so watched him on Chrissy. Like, he, he was with your daughter, and they're, the Rails is the yeah, name of their the Rails, band. Yeah. And he's yeah. one of those guys where I'm like, oh, my God, where's that guy come from? He's like some, like... 
<laughs> he's great. I mean, you know, I, I can't think of a better UK guitar player. He also plays with with, with uh, Ray Davis when, when Ray goes out. He plays with the Pogues when the Pogues go out. You know, so, so he's a he's a go to guy. Yeah, he's in demand, which is good. You know? but, yeah. but, but but the, the Rails first album I thought was brilliant, and and um, and uh, the, 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 they won the best newcomer award at the BBC Folk Awards. So, so you know, they're, they're, they're doing great. Did you actually live on a commune of some sort? Um, no, I didn't. No, oh. I, I, I lived in a kind of very loose community. But, but I mean, a, a commune implies certain things. You know, it implies sort of sharing everything. Right, and, right, right. Uh, and, and being a socialist. Uh-huh. It was, it was, it was uh, kind of like a Sufi um, uh, community. Uh-huh. It, was, it was a community that, that followed a particular teacher in, uh-huh. in Morocco. And did, did, you, did you stick with that? Um, I still do. You do? Yeah, I still do. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. you like in 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 the sixties, you had sort of a spiritual awakening of sorts. But probably seventies or seventy three. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, spiritual awakening. Well, you know, these are kind of cliches that, that never. Well, quite... I, well, I, well, how did you end up? You know, uh, um, you know, shifting gears. Well, I've into... always been, I've always been a spiritual person. I, I mean, probably. Um, I started I started reading spiritual things right, probably when I was about fifteen, sixteen years old. Yeah. You know, and I started off, off with Zen, I think. And, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. Then worked backwards through the alphabet. You know, yeah. to to. to <laughs> To, to try to, them all out to A for anthroposophy or something <laughs> yeah um, yeah and um, and I got inter- interested in, in uh, Sufism uh, so some friends of mine had just come back from North Africa and and, and so I went to, to, to meet, meet meet this teacher and um, and I'm still there really what, what is the basic uh, uh, idea like if you could break it down uh, Sufism uh, it's, it's like the, the inner teaching of Islam Okay. Basically. Did you like um, raise your whole family in that and everything else? Uh, uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. it's interesting that that your kids like they they seem to be doing the like just the following not only your footsteps but the type of music in a way, which is interesting. Um, I mean, yeah. you would think that they would be like, "Nah, fuck that, I'm gonna jam." You know? Well, but so, yeah, some of them do. Some of them do. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, certainly Teddy and Cami. Um, you know, are, are kind of singer singer songwriters. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, Cami's actually more uh, a British influenced. You know, uh-huh. a, a British Celtic influence. Yeah, which, yeah. Which, which has kind of appeared more recently in her music, which is fantastic. Uh, my, my youngest son, son who's uh, twenty three, um, kind of doesn't follow that. He, he's he's more into kind of trance music and and uh, oh really uh, you, you know slow you know sh- shoegazing stuff and and does everybody get along uh, I'd, I'd, I'd say everybody gets along yeah which is and great it's fantastic do you envy some songwriters uh, um, songs or just songs I, I, I envy in general? some songs yeah like what's like one of those uh, I, I mean probably you know a well known uh, great song by Ray Davis would be something like Waterloo Sunset which yeah is yeah just a killer song absolutely killer song. Um, there's some great Dylan songs, um, you know, Lily, Rosemary, and the Jack of Hearts, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tangled up in blue, you know, the c- c- yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of well-known, brilliant songs. Visions uh, of Joanna's, right? Visions Johanna's, of Joanna. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's a good one if you've got the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think all the answers are in there. That's yeah, what I've decided. Yeah, 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 decode yeah. it. Have yeah. you ever worked with him? Did you ever meet him? Uh, with who? Sorry, Bob. Bob. Um, yes, yes, I met him a couple of times. Uh, we, we, we did a tour last year called the Americana Rama Tour. Uh, which which was ourselves and and Wilco and uh, my morning jacket and Bob, you know, uh-huh. and um, he was he was great. He was charming, you know, generous. Yeah, just great. Did you That's go up and play with uh, uh, Wilco or? Well, well, we did frequently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like every night there was some, you know, new song to jam on. How did that? <laughs> how did that relationship start with you and uh, Tweedy? Well, we probably started there. I mean, uh, we we done shows with with uh, Wilco going back, you know, maybe twenty twenty five years, but but. Um, uh, we got to know them a lot better on that tour, and um, yeah, you know, we, we started to inter- interact a bit, and, and 
you know, at some point on that tour, you know, you know, you know I, I think a few people said, you know, that, that he'd be a great person to, 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 to do a recording project with. Yeah, and it turns yeah. out they were right, huh? Uh, well, I think so. I want to talk about the the family record too because I got mm. that recently. Oh, good, yeah, yeah, I liked it. It was great. It it made me uh, happy to see everybody together for some reason. <laughs> I don't even know you people. <laughs> I, I get, if only you knew you know, the, the agonies. You know, I, I can't it. imagine. I, uh, but uh, as a guitar player, you know, do you find that you continue to to evolve something? I mean, do you find new? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, you you have to. You have to. You you, you cannot stay still. Uh, you have to be looking for new things, new ideas, new techniques, all, all kinds of stuff, uh, and, and new pathways. Yeah. You, you know, your, your fingerboard is, 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 is they're like n- neurons. You know, yeah, your yeah. brain, and you have to keep lo- looking for for, for new. New connections, you know, uh, between notes. Yeah, and at some Very point cool. you worked with the, you did an album or two with uh, Fred Frith and, uh, and Henry Kaiser, yes, yeah, and, and uh, Drumbo from Captain Beefheart. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, how, how so? Because that seems an, not antithetical, but something kind of adventurous for you to do. I mean, yeah. what was the idea there? Because those guys are kind of experimental, out there dudes. Well, I, I see myself as experimental in a slightly different way, but but um, like what way? I, well, you know, um, I, I mean, I, I love if I'm playing a guitar. So I, 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 I love to throw in, yeah. you know, dissonance. Yeah, you can get out there, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but, but because you know, I, I grew up listening to, to um, you know, to twentieth century classical music, yeah. among other things. Right. Uh, listening, listening to John Coltrane and, and heaven knows what. So, um, you know, it's not such a leap for me me, me to play with, with um, right. You know, Henry Kaiser, who's a, who's a very experimental guitar player, yeah, very yeah. out there, uh, and Fred Frith, who, who's a, who's, a, who's a, a more trained. Uh, musician, uh-huh. but, but but also um, but pl- plays kind of out on the edge. Did you like uh, those records? Um, yeah, especially the first one. I think the first one we weren't thinking about it too much. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the second second one, I, th- I think it was a little more. You know, what, now what do we do? Kind of yeah, thing. But, like, but so I think the first one's a great record. What kind of people do you find are, are, are coming to see you? I mean, you, I mean, you have a diehard like you, you like the cult of Thompson has got to be pretty strong. Are they uh, all ages? Yeah. Or are you finding like you know people are getting older with you? How's that looking? Well, that's the original audience. Uh, you know, they're still there. Uh, uh, the, the diehards are actually d- d- dying off. Yeah, know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so yeah, yeah. So there's people my age and, and even older. Uh, but but uh, you, you know, young, young, younger generations are coming to sort of check you out, or, or you know, sometimes you get that embarrassing thing of oh, you know, you know, I heard your music through through my parents. You right. Know, sure. Oh, of course. Yeah. God, how old are you? you yeah. Know, oh, 40, You know, yeah. crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know. happening. Yeah. <clears throat> so you know, you, you, you get the kids of original fans. You, you, yeah, yeah. You get, the, you get the grandkids of original fans. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and people who found you through other means. You know, people who find you on the internet, or, or they find you through playlists and stuff like that, or Amazon recommendations. You yeah, know. yeah. But uh, yeah, the audience is all ages these days, which is great. So when you okay, let's talk about the family record because that's all of you. That's, that's 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 the whole family, yeah, pretty much. And who 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 spearheaded that effort? Uh, Teddy, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was Teddy's kind of concept to, to put it all together, um, and and he stuck with it, and um, you know, got us all to contribute and, and uh, send our tapes in, and and uh, so no, you weren't all in the same room. Um, not much. Uh, occasionally we were, but not much. I, I, th- I think all of us together, it never happened. But but um, you know, but the, the, so we we were kind of assembled bits and pieces, and, and uh, there were rules like you, you you didn't play solos on your on your own track. You had to play on somebody else's and uh-huh. that kind of thing to, to to make it a bit more homogenous, you know. And do uh, do you get along with Linda? Uh, yeah, we get along fine. Did, yeah. But did that take time? Or because I know that, like, I I'd yeah, heard only took thirty years. <laughs> no, it didn't take that long at all. No, I, I mean, um, you, you know, um, after we split up, but you know, we we had kids in common, so you have to deal with each so, other. So you have to deal with each other, and then um, you know, you know, the, the old animosities go away eventually. Uh huh. And how many times have you been married? 
two. Oh, okay, that's pretty good. Only two. It's not bad for a musician. Yeah. yeah. And you've lived here for how long? Well, on and off. I mean, you know, 20, 25 years. Um, I mean, for a while we kind of commuted uh, between here and, and London because, uh-huh. I, I, you know, I had family there. So, so, so I go back and see my family and then, you know, come out here and to work and then, then go back and, you know, so we're best of course. But uh, when my youngest uh, was of school age, we, we kind of decided to, to send to school in, in the U.S., but you never were the at the time when you were sort of cutting your teeth. You never were like I'm moving to Hollywood. I'm moving to L.A. to to make it in the music business. You always stayed over there. Well, you know, I I don't think um, that, you, you know musically. I I never wanted to, to pursue an American style of music particularly. Yeah. So so, so I, I was better off being in the U.K. Um, where, where I could find musicians of similar mind, and uh, now, now I'm insulated from from, from that that kind of. Thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. You can't change me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so all the way through even when you were doing you know music that wasn't necessarily specifically informed by by you know british roots yeah. in that way mm-hmm. you still were like you know i'm not i'm not going to try to i'm not going to america this is not an american record this is uh, this is like uh just a part of what i do well, pretty much and i mean what, what when i did start to start to, to make records in america with with, with capital um you know I, the, you know the the, the 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 musical content you know the songs are still very very, very British you know, yeah yeah in content even though I was using American musicians I you know sometimes I had to to slap slap their wrists for for for, for putting in the wrong stuff you know uh huh um, yeah so, so um what, you, you know if, if musicians are flexible they're, 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 then they're, they're, they get these things they pick these things up what is the what is the, the primary difference is it is it uh, uh, chord progressions is it in the sense of, of where you come it's from it's a different feel I, I, I mean um as, as, different as, as, rhythm as I say I'm trying trying to, to bridge the gap a bit between Celtic and rock yeah you know, to, to, uh, so, so so some elements of rock music are absolutely fine. Uh, other things, it's it's more the modes of the music, I think, more than anything else. Yeah, uh, and, and avoiding uh, you know cliches, avoiding uh, you know blues cliches, rock cliches, right? Uh, of which there are lots, <laughs> many, 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 many. many. <laughs> and you, so you're actively avoiding that. You're um, just sort of like, nope, can't do, no turnaround there. Yeah, 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 yeah truly. Mm. Right. Let's not go to that chord. Mm. It feels like there should be a chorus, but no, we're not going to do that now. Yeah, we're not doing choruses, but we're, we're just going to do <laughs> straight through. 33 verses <laughs> no refrain no cut absolutely not no <laughs> forbidden and were you like uh, did i read that you were uh, you weren't knighted but you were awarded something some uh, a great honor by the uh, yeah by the queen um yeah i got a thing called an obe which is, which which is fantastic you know oh that's great is it yeah um you, you know there's, there's this this honors system in britain uh used to be you know given out by kings and and, and prime ministers you know but but now it's much more community based, so the community elects people. Uh, uh, the community of arts, the, the, of the artists? community of, of, of everybody. Oh, okay, you know, the, the whole country. Right. Okay. You know, you, you you got some fantastic school teacher. Yeah. The, the, then the community around that school says, you know, that this person that deserves, you know, a, a, a recognition. Yeah. So you, you you kind of elect people now that way. So so I suppose that you know the folk community or something, you know, elected me. To, 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 to receive something and and what 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 does it entitle you to um did you get it not that? much <laughs> not much um <laughs> you get a, a castle uh n- I, I i get to use uh, a certain chapel in in westminster abbey you do yeah it's re- reserved for, for for obes yeah yeah uh, have you gone That's over about there it. had a look i haven't yeah i haven't <laughs> had a chance to get in there yet but but uh, but uh, soon I, I, I shall make this point but but uh, you know you, you get letters after your name that's, that's the, the cool thing uh, oeb O B E. Excuse me. I'm sorry, sir. 
<laughs> Damn colonials. I know, I know. We're horrible. It seems to me that some of your stuff, like if any American music that you really will kind of play around with, it's country. Um, yeah, I, I, I steal country licks, yeah. Um, mostly pedal steel licks. Um, so you don't, you don't, you, yeah, because you just, you mean you recapture, you reinvent them with just your fingers. I suppose so. I don't know I how you. I suppose so. But, but, you, but you, there's you, a trick to it. They're, they're, oh, they're, yes, uh, totally, yeah. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. True, and um, you, you know, country music is not a million miles away from, from you know Scots music, Irish music. So, from because so, it come down through Appalachia, exactly. Yeah, so, so it has the same root. So um, uh, I just um, steal something that's not too far away. Well, I mean, is it stealing really, or is it just being part of a a, a chain? So someone wise said, "Steal from everybody except yourself." Uh huh. But that's I mean, good but advice. How, yeah. how, but if you, if you're one of those people that just try, is there anybody that really doesn't take anything that that has a, a pure music? I mean, even Beefheart, like I, you know, I recently sort of went down that rabbit hole and it's, it's all Hal and Wolf at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So oh, I mean, yeah. it's, Hal and Wolf wannabe, really. Oh yeah. It's totally, a, yeah. like all that stuff. So, so there's no, you can have to sort of build on what's before you. Yes, totally. But, 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 so, uh, you know, the, the great moments in music sometimes happen when, um, two stars come together, you, you know, the, the, the birth of jazz is this sort of collision of European music and, and African music, you know, you know, uh, making this new thing, you know, rock and roll is, is sort of, you know, hillbilly music meets, meets the blues or something. Right. So, uh, you know, um, I think sometimes you, you synthesize your, your influences, you know, you, you love that person, that person, that person. Uh, and at some point, Point, you, you emerge uh, as this pure synthesis of, of, of these things that you listen to, uh, but it's something different, it's something new. Uh, yeah. uh, you become a recognizable player. Yeah, which you did. I think, you know, I don't know, tell, tell me if I'm wrong. I think that the like, it's stuck in my head for some reason that, that it seems like one of your biggest sort of, um, not stealers, but the, I think the guy who maybe learned the most from you, and I don't know if you know him, is Mark Knopfler. Uh, Did you ever think- arguable, yeah. I, 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 I shouldn't comment on that. Oh, really? Should I? Sure. <laughs> do I you- don't know. Well, um, yeah. I, I mean, he, he, his, his, he, he uses the same kind of out of phase Stratocaster sound um, uh-huh. that, that, that I use. But, but I, I was probably ten years before him. In, in right. Well, sense. that's what I mean. It seems like he just sort of like you know you were his guy. He, maybe, maybe not. I, oh, I, I you, don't know. You never met him. I, you I never. He never. He oh. never said, "Show me something, Richard." No. <laughs> he came so. up to you. <laughs> is there is there tension between the two of you? Uh, but perhaps if I knew him, that there might be. I don't, but I don't know him. But it seemed like you had a weird response. Like you, you've you've been asked that question before. Or you've well, noticed but, it. Uh, well, you know, I, I used to get a lot, lot of reviews where, where I say, "Oh, oh," and Thompson's guitar reminds me of Mark Knopfler. Oh, I'm so thinking, not the other way around. You know, I was, I was recording no, t- no. ten years before Mark Knopfler. Well, started, I would so. never make that mistake. Thank you. Thank I you. am here yeah. to say that Mark Knopfler ripped you the fuck off. Well, I, I would not say that, but but uh, yeah, he has his own style, which is which is very different from mine, you know. And he's yeah. his own guy. I, I don't not know him very well. Okay, you know, fine. But 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 but, but I was not ripping, ripping him off, no, which, which, which was a common perception. Yeah, for, it's a mistake. For a while yeah. on the uneducated. Exactly. Yeah. Do you uh, do you use your fingers? Uh, I do. You don't pick. You don't use a pick. I, I, I use a pick and fingers. Yeah. Um, it's called hybrid picking. Yeah. So you basically use a flat pick for some things, and, and then you use your fingers for other things, and it's a kind of a combination technique. But it's it's very useful for a lot of things, and there's things that you can't do any any other way, other than with, with hybrid. When you first started playing, I mean, what were like? Did it come natural to you? Or do you practice? I mean, do you still practice like like for hours? I mean, how how does that work after a certain point? I mean, I know you play almost every night. Yeah, you, you have to practice. You have to practice. Um, yeah, it re- requires a certain amount, a certain amount of physicality. You yeah, know, in, in playing, so you have to keep that up. 
and uh, if you're working on new ideas, uh, then you, you have to you have to do that. That that that's, that takes time. Uh, if you if you're a, if you're a songwriter, I mean, you're basically just playing, sure. playing, 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 playing. So um, it, it varies from having no, no time in, in the day to, to play. You know, you're on an airplane all day. You know, how, how are you going to how are you going to practice? Yeah. Uh, to um, you know, you're working on a new album. You, you might play eight hours a day. You're in the studio. You might you, know, you might play twelve hours a day. Right. You know, um, you, so you, 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 or, or you, you want to practice something that you know, you know, four hours, six hours. You know, or, or just to keep things going. Uh, you know, you, you practice watching the TV or something for for an hour. You just know? keep your fingers limber. Yeah, sure. Yeah. How much are you touring? I mean, how much do you play? Like dates wise, a year. Well, I think I do about hundred and something a year. Hundred. I think we did one hundred and twenty last year, which which is a lot. You know. And do you love it? Good. Um, I, I love playing live. I really do love playing live. Yeah. Um, you know, to do that, you have to travel. So you you have to deal with travel. You have to try to not it's kill nightmare, yourself. Nightmare. You know? yeah. yeah. Um. So so you. We try to pace all that stuff, you know. So you want to play a song? Sure, that'd be I'd, good. I'd be on it. Let's uh, let's set it up. Should I, should I just roll? Sure. Okay. Murdoch's news I'm going thunder, rain or shine Got a papoose on my back We're on the right track, Jack To leave the beatnik blues behind Amsterdam, where good things come in threes Mind and shooting the breeze. Take the path down to the mill. I'm gonna get my fill. I'm going to eat till the pot runs dry. And Frank's house and Rembrandt's tomb. I better make some room. Cause Brother Vincent's on my Life goes on behind the tiles and chances Dirty water fit for kings and princes
Ah, that was great. Thank Thank you so much, man. (laughs) Thank you. My pleasure. It was really uh, exciting for me to talk to you, and I appreciate you coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That was amazing. I love when people play in here. I, I just like I just get to sit here and pretend like I'm a record producer with my one mic. I just used a mic that they talk into on the mouth, and then I, I run a, a, a second mic. Uh, I stick into a guitar and I ride the levels, ride the fader. That's what I do. That's Richard Thompson. I, I would highly encourage getting into his music and listening to that guy play guitar. It's fucking astounding. So Lemmy, Lemmy from Motorhead, right? Lemmy. I think y'all know him. You know what he looks like. You got a feel for him. I'm about to talk to Lemmy. I, uh, for years, like, I'm not a metal guy, but I'll listen. I, you know, I've gotten into it more. I've had to educate myself. I don't like to say late to the party. I just I was not evolved enough in one direction or another to uh, appreciate the metal. But I do remember hearing Ace of Spades. I remember hearing that album. I remember hearing that song when I was trying to understand what was up and who Motorhead was. And I knew Lemmy was Motorhead. I knew Lemmy was the front man. And I talked to uh, Chrissy Hine. I talked to Chrissy Hine about Lemmy. And I've known about Lemmy. And I watched a documentary on Lemmy. I'm kind of fascinated with Lemmy. And then Ty Siegel got me into Hawkwind. And Lemmy played on, I think, three of those records. Lemmy's a character. And he's now, he's a Hollywood character. And he's a rock and roll character, and he's a rock and roll original, so I jumped at the opportunity to have him over, but I was a little nervous about talking to him. I didn't think it was going to happen, but he showed up. Dude brought him over. He, he, he looks like he's fucking lived it. And, you know, and he's older now, and I didn't know what to do. I saw him. I said, how you doing? He's like, all right. And I go, you need a beer? Yeah, I'll take a beer. So I gave Lemmy a beer because I thought he looked like he needed a beer. He needed to take a little bit of that, you know, a hell of an edge off that guy must have. But he is, uh, he is fucking Lemmy. I do have beers for guests if they need them. I do allow smoking in the garage. And, uh, and people can smoke weed if they need to. I'm not uh, judgmental or weird about that. I'm not encouraging it. But sometimes people need a beer. I do, keep, uh, I do keep plenty of tea on hand for my British guests. And I like to offer them tea. Lemmy did not want tea. I gave him a uh, flat tire ale. That's what Lemmy drank during an interview, and he drank half of it. So now, from Motorhead, maybe I should tell you this too, uh, there is a new Motorhead album. It's called Bad Magic. It's available now. This is my, uh, my little chat with Lemmy from Motorhead. You don't drive at all? No. Never did? No. How long have you been in L.A.? 21 years. 21 years of passenger in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> you must have some pretty good friends. Oh, I'm sure many. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Dixon, will you shut that air off for a little while so I don't get the noise? I was just in uh, New York City, and I uh, I interviewed Keith Richards for an hour. How is he? He's okay. He's okay. Have you met him? No. Were you ever a fan? Yeah, I like the Stones all right. And of the Stones, I like him the best, I think. Yeah, he's the guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's sort of like you in a way, in the sense that you kind of define a certain thing. Yeah, right. It's you know? gone now. Is it, is, is it gone? It feels like it. When you look around, you're the, you're, the only, you're the only warrior standing? Usually, yeah. 
Unless there's a couple of female ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't mind female warriors. No, no, you got to have them. <laughs> what, why do you think that is, man? I mean, is is the music dead too? I mean, it still seems like there's some people out there doing it. No, the music's all right. But there's only five radio stations now. Yeah, yeah. So you're never going to hear it. This is your what, 22nd? How many records? Yeah. 22nd record. Yeah, no counting the live ones. Right. It's crazy, man. And, Tell me about it. And Brian May played with you on one of these? Yeah, he played on one track, did the solo, you know. Were you in the studio with him? No, he did it in Wales. Oh, he just... Phil's home studio. Where'd you start? Where'd you grow up? I started... I was born in Stoke, in the Midlands. I don't know anything about uh, England now. Was that nice there? No, it was terrible. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> then we went to a little village outside of there called Maidley, which is like a country village. Yeah, yeah. So that was okay, you know. When did you uh, start playing? I was about 16. Guitar, right? Yeah. Like, what inspired you to play? Who were the guys? Fats Domino, Fabian, Elvis Presley. Yeah, know, yeah, Fats Domino. The whole list, you know. Yeah, and you just uh, you just wanted to be uh, in, a, in a little rock band? Well, first I wanted to be black. Yeah. And then I wanted to be a blues player. <laughs> and through all the bands I've been in, I never got it. You play little blues? Yeah, little blues. You play some blues? But you didn't set out to be in a blues band, though, right? No, um, well, I joined Hawkwind. It was already, you yeah, know, going. What was the idea like? You know, Hawkwind. Like, how would you define that music? Uh, psychedelic. Yeah, and what did you when you were playing there? Did you was that how you learned to play bass? Basically, no. I, I started playing bass the day I joined them. That was the, <laughs> <laughs> because that. It, but that sort of that's how you defined your style, right? Like in terms of like figuring out who you were on the bass, it was through Hawkwind, right? Well, I knew where I was. You right, because you're playing guitar. Yeah. I went for a job as a guitar player. Yeah. And they said, no, we don't need one because Dave's going to play lead. Right. I said, oh. They said, do you play bass? And Dave said, yeah, he does. Because he <laughs> wanted another speed freak in yeah, the band. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so suddenly I was a bass player. I had no idea how to play. Yeah. Figured yeah. it out though. Yeah, yeah. Never even picked one up. You know. Yeah, yeah. What the hell? What was the speed back then? What, what, what was it? Was it? It, it was pills. Oh, like Benzedrine. Oh, all kinds. Yeah. Dex. You know? Yeah, Dexedrine. Yeah, I used to have a script in Harley Street. Yeah. It's a lot of fun going down there. <laughs> See everybody you met. Yeah. In your life within about four hours. Just <laughs> talking, jacked up. Yeah. Hey man. Yeah, what's going on, man? <laughs> What are you doing for the next three days? Do you do it anymore? Yeah. A little bit? You get tired, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that the original intention of it, or was it just a buzz? Both. Yeah? Because you were traveling a lot. Fuck yeah, we were. We traveled a lot. Were they huge when you were in them, Hawkwind? Were they a big, uh, big band well, at that the time? Well, first, the first song I sang on went to number two. It was the only hit they ever had. Yeah. I don't think they ever forgave me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to live with that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and you you just left because you got they they you, what you got trouble with the law. No, I got fired. Yeah, for yeah. what? For uh, getting the court with speed at the Canadian border, but they charged me with coke, and it wasn't coke. They didn't have a law for speed. So I walked away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they did. Yeah, but they didn't charge me with it. That's fucking lucky. Yeah. I had Chrissy Hind in here. 
Oh yeah, I know Chrissy. Oh, I know. Yeah, she she really sort of credits you for kind of um, saving her life somehow in a way. Oh yeah. When she got to England, she said that you know Lemmy was like you know like he took care of me almost. You yeah. Know? What was it like? Because I think a lot of people kind of like tie you in with with what was going on there in the seventies with the punks and everything else. And there, there was a lot of different factions in the mid-70s in England, right? Yeah. What was going on? I mean, how did you sort of sort well, out? There was where the you... punks and the long hairs through start, and then the ex-mods. The ex-mods, you know, the yeah. The hair had grown out of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was the original rock and roll crowd, too. They were still around. Teddy boys, yeah. So they were. How old were they? Like in their forties or fifties at that time? Thirties. Oh, really? Yeah. So could they? Were did they feel themselves slipping away? <laughs> I don't know how they felt. <laughs> did you work with them? Uh, well, you know, we play for anybody who comes in the place. Yeah. You know, it don't matter. Yeah. You know, why they come in? As long yeah. as they're in. Yeah. You're gonna get them. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And I guess she told me that that like ska was a big thing too. Yeah, it was. Uh, so well, there was reggae, you know. yeah, reggae in general, because that didn't happen in the states till later, you know. No, okay? no, I never liked it anyway. It's a little laid back, right? Well, no, it's just too lame. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a little too lovey, a little too <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, too peaceful. Yeah, shoot you in the back now, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's a funny thing, reggae. Yeah, you got all these people who call themselves gangsters, right? Playing it. Yeah. And it's really laid back music. Yeah. Know? Well, it's, yeah. Whole there's different no, culture. There's no edge to it at all, you know. Like. No. No, I I mean, I, I, I've listened to it in my life, but I, I don't, you, you know, if you go back to it, then, you, you know, you got to start dressing like that and dancing stupid. I, it's just, uh, you know. Fuck it, you know. <laughs> well, when you were figuring out, I, I assume that right when you got out of Hawkwind, you didn't want to do psychedelic shit. No, it wasn't that. I didn't mind, you know, but I didn't want to be Hawkwind. Yeah. Right, and I, I wanted to basically, I wanted to be the MC5. Did you ever see them? Yeah, yeah. When, uh, when they came over there? Yeah, I, I sung a couple of songs on stage with them. You, you had known their records or before yeah. you went? Well, I knew Kick Out the Jams, you know. Yeah. They hadn't released the second album yet. What about Iggy? You like Iggy? Uh, yeah, and no. Yeah. Sings a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he has the attitude, you know, I like that. <laughs> I'd like to see, I'd like to, to break the categories of shit into, you know, what exactly defines shit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Be hard to explain, wouldn't it? I don't know. I think that's the next book Lemmy's Guide to Shit. Yeah. <laughs> shit to Avoid. Lemmy, shit or shinola. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but you, like, it seemed to me that, you know, when I was talking to Chrissy, that you guys, had sort of built a scene, you know, like around this, around the whole image of, of what you kind of invented. And and is that true? I don't know if I'd say that. Yeah. We had the same manager, you know. As, as Chrissy did? Yeah. Yeah. Tony Secunda. And uh, we used to hang out at his office, taping all his albums, you know. So that was great fun. And I, I, I always liked Chris. And I used to go around to a... Uh, we had squats in adjoining streets. Oh, really? Which is very handy, you know. Yeah, yeah. I used to walk over there with my guitar at night sometimes, and we'd play for hours, you know. Like. Squats, like you guys were just holing up in places. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i squats for years. Yeah. I had a three-story house squat once. Just no one, it was just empty? 
Yeah, you just walk in, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There wasn't any furniture in it. Yeah. There's carpets in it. And yeah. It was all right. <laughs> yeah. The only thing was we couldn't get the water heater <laughs> so to got, work. Got a little chilly. So we had to go next door where Phil yeah. Taylor was, um, yeah. you know, residing in Aberbath at his place, you know. Yeah. So that's sort of how uh, how uh, Motorhead sort of came together was through uh, like going to places to take baths. Yeah, right. <laughs> Communal, you know. Yeah. The original band, how did you meet the, those guys? How did you guys come together initially? Oh, the original band. Yeah. I met Lucas, and he was handy. He had a van, you know. Right, that always helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he drove me around for a bit. Yeah. And then we got Larry, and Larry was kind of doomed. Doom? Yeah, in here, you know. Oh, yeah. Like always complaining, you know. Dark, or just sort of like it was like... Just a, I think that's his manner. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go for it much. And then and then you ended up with the with the, the, the lineup that lasted for the first couple of records? Well, Phil and Eddie, yeah. Lucas, we were at the studio in Wales, and he kept... He was trying to match me yeah. for speeds. Right. And this vein... It was in his forehead, right down to his eyebrow. You know, and he like... It's all jacked up. Yeah, really. Seized up. Fucking ruined. And uh, <laughs> we were in there listening to a playback one day. Right. And he leaned on the machine. Yeah, know? yeah. And it all, it wasn't locked. It fell over with all these drinks on it. Right. And they went in the desk and it went... Yeah. Smoke, yeah. And he, he went, oh, and walked out of the studio and Larry shouted, don't rock, walk past my house, Lucas. It'll burst into fucking flames. <laughs> I think that did it, you know. That was it? Yeah, that, that was a clincher. <laughs> Speed's not for the faint of heart and mind. Is that, do you find, do you think that speed is what defined the pace of the music? I mean, was that intentional? And do you think it just was the way it worked? I think it was just the way it worked, but... Uh, it did. It was better for music than what they do now. It's like old new romance stuff, you know, and all that. Yeah, yeah. Where did that start? That was going on in England too, kind of, wasn't it? Yeah. It, everything seems to be coming back around, but I'm not. I'm not always sure it's the best thing to come back around. No, no. <laughs> but if it is coming back around, then we're due for a heavy metal explosion. Yeah, another one. It should be all right. Was, would, what would this be? The third one, fourth one. Yeah. <laughs> what do you consider the first one? You? No, Deep Purple. Really? In rock. Yeah. Did you listen to them when you were young, before you started playing in uh, Motorhead? No. Never did? After? Yeah, you know, because when you've met somebody, you have to know a bit about the music. Yeah. In case you meet them again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you could say something? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I love that second song, you yeah, know. Yeah, that one song I listened to, I really like What was it called now? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> With the drums. Yeah. yeah. Something vague. <laughs> when did, like, uh, the Sex Pistols and all that shit happen? Was that alongside when you were 76, there? 76, So you were right there with all that shit? Yeah, yeah. And did you mind being lumped in with that shit? Oh, we weren't. We, we were long hairs. Right. Oh, so that was, that was what you were called, long hairs. Well, no, you know, we were called... By most people, heavy metal. At that time? Yeah, because that, that was how they categorized things. Yeah. The record companies, you know. So the first record, who was that record with? We did Parole, and then they wouldn't release it. Who? UA. 
So we went back in the studio with Eddie and Phil Taylor and cut the whole thing again. And then when we already had two, three hit albums, they released it. Yeah. <laughs> then they, because they're like, okay, these guys have a little traction. Let's bring that thing and we have in the vaults out. Yeah, yeah, but they, you know, we couldn't get arrested for yeah. years in Britain. Really? Yeah, yeah. From from from, from what, like seventy five to like seventy eight or nine? Something like that. I you mean, c- there was nobody like us. Really? The the ones that did really did. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you were their life. I, I don't know if I was their life. I was symbolic of what they would like to be do you how do you do you handle that all right knowing that there are so many people now i mean more than that 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 sort of aspire to uh to lemminess i don't know i'm kind of weird about being lemmy i'm kind of tired of it you know does it get like i was wondering that when i was talking to keith too because it seemed like he was a little tired of it too yeah that like you, you, do you feel ever that you have to keep going to, to maintain lemminess in order to appease these guys? <laughs> I don't know about that. We've certainly. I, I don't feel I have to keep going. I, I think I should because I'm crippled. Even I, you know. Yeah. What happened with the legs? Did it just went? Diabetes. Oh really? When did you get that? Two thousand. Oh yeah. Do you take uh, medicine? Are you watching your diet? Cutting back on shit? Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> There's a certain love that you can go see. <laughs> yeah. Do you wake up and, and find it's amazing to be alive? No. No. <laughs> not yet. Not yet? I'm not 70 till December. Yeah, okay. All right. After that is when you start thinking it's amazing. When you get these bands together, because, I mean, 22 records, and you've been through a lot of different players, but it's all it's all motorhead music. So I guess after a certain point, you know, people who come and want to play with you, they know exactly what they're getting into. Yeah, well... Yeah, you'd be surprised, man. A lot of people in this country, especially, yeah. haven't heard us really? at all because it's it's outside their frame. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do I know. Wouldn't, I wouldn't like that. You know, when you tour here, though, do you, you do all right, right? Yeah, we do all right. We because should. I know some dudes, like my buddy Jim Florentine, he thinks that Ace of Spades is the the, the best record ever made. Well, you yeah, know, it probably is. <laughs> in that case. <laughs> Were you brought up with like uh, any religion or anything? No. Nah. Got My lucky on that. My father was a priest too. He was. Yeah. Your real father. Yeah. You had two fathers. But, well, he, I had a stepfather. All right. Yeah. How was that guy? Oh, he was too late to exert any discipline. Yeah, yeah. I'd already learned to. <laughs> it was you know, not too correct. That ship had sailed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did you? And you track down your real dad though, or was he always in your life? Oh, no, I never saw him again until I was 25. Yeah? He left when I was three months old. And, you, oh, wow. Did you, like, during all that time, did you want to meet him or did you just wait on it? Well, I had no way to meet him. I didn't know where he was, you know? Yeah. And then he started writing these letters saying how guilty he felt about letting the boy down. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know my fucking name. So my mother said, go up and see him. I'll give you some money, you know? So I went up to, I met him in this fucking pizza place on Hills Court Road. He was a little weasel with a bald head and glasses. And he said, oh, sit down, sit down. I'm so glad you came. I said, yeah, me too. He said, what can I do for you? I said, well, I need an amplifier and a, and a stack, you know. I said, you give me a thousand quid, that'll do it. Yeah. He said, what for? I said, an amplifier. 
said, oh, no, no, no. He said, I couldn't do that. I couldn't give you money to waste on an amplifier, you know. What he wanted, you know, he offered me, he said, I made arrangements for you to become a traveling salesman. He made arrangements? Yeah. To sell what? I don't know. <laughs> Magic carpets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that was his big gift to you after 25 years? That was the big thing, I, yeah. I got you a hookup to go door to door and sell shit. You got me a hookup. Yeah. <laughs> Would have been better. <laughs> Would have been better. <laughs> See, so... So that didn't go. And he did. You say, he said he was a priest. Yeah. So we, but he got thrown out of the church for leaving my mother. For leaving her. Yeah. So oh, it wasn't a Catholic church, was it? Catholic? No. no it was the other church one. Church of England. So that was the end of the exchange, and that was uh, that was it. Yeah. yeah I said. Uh, I said it's a good thing the pizza hasn't arrived yet, or you'd be wearing it like a hat. And I was at the place. And that was it. Yeah, I didn't want anything to do with it, really. I got along without him till then. Did you? Could you tell it was your dad? Was there anything sort of like, oh yeah? No, there was no nothing remotely visible. Really? Yeah. So your mom remarried another dude, and you grew up with that guy. Yeah, and his two kids. Yeah, were they? Did you get along with them? No. No. <laughs> they were both really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so music was the outlet then. That was all you had, right? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't conscious that it was an outlet, you know. I was just doing whatever yeah, yeah. to survive, you know. So I knew I was in rock and roll and that was it. Yeah. So as far as everything else is concerned, it's details, you know. Yeah. What was the first band? First band, let's see now, the Rainmakers. And what kind of music? Oh, awful. <laughs> the first band's always awful, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, but you were you doing covers? Yeah, yeah. Did now? What about the Beatles, man? Did they play in at all to you? Did you like? Oh them? yeah, the Beatles were the big influence on me actually. Yeah, yeah. Out of all the bands I ever heard, the Beatles were the ones that really fastened me up. Yeah. You know? yeah. Did Did you ever get to see them? Oh yeah. How was the show structured then? Were there several bands, or just them? Yeah, you get like eight bands on. That's fucking amazing. That was how easy it was. You know, now it's really difficult, man. You know, I mean, we've got to do this this way because we've always always done it that way. The fact they didn't know how to do it in the first place. Yeah. You know, means yeah. they, like, improvise. And they always do it the wrong way. So now here we are with tours like fucking military exercises. They're crazy, dude. I, I barely ever go to concerts anymore, you know, but now, like... It's it's insane the amount of money and production that goes yeah. into it. No one just fucking plays anymore. Well, we don't do all that. No, you just play, right? Yeah. It's I don't. I guess I guess if people get older, they get scared. They, I they, don't they, know what it is. Either scared or clever. Yeah, you yeah, know, clever. Right, right, uh, right. Well, I don't know who they think they're fooling, but I guess they think that people who are sitting there just want to have the same experience they had listening to the fucking record. Yeah. So where is that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not what they're getting. Yeah. So you saw the Beatles like in what? In sixty what? Five, six? No, sixty-one. Holy shit! Two, three, four, five. You saw them all the way through? Yeah. Many times? Yeah. Now, like, I can't even imagine what the fuck that was like. Was it electric? Yeah, it was magic. Like, it was, and you they, could, they were magic. You could feel it. But a lot of them bands were magic from Merseyside. Yeah. And like who else? The big three. You ever heard of them? No. See? You but know, they were magic. 
Yeah, they not were. as magic as the Beatles, I guess. No, they were magic carpet magic. The Beatles were all around the world magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the big magic. What were the big three? What were they? What they play like? Well, there's three of them. For yeah. Start, well, yeah, right? that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guess. Yeah. And um, they were. They had a really good guitar player, Griff. He used to play this rotten old Rickenbacker. Oh yeah. Um, Hoffner. Yeah, a Hoffner. Yeah. And, yeah. And neck like a piece of yeah. fucking a tree. And he used to play the most amazing guitar. But they were all great, and they were all really eccentric. They were all speed freaks. Right. You know. So sort of jacked. Johnny used to get in the van and throw a handful of pills in the back. And they'd be searching for them all the way to the gig, you know. Yeah. And then on the way back, I imagine, in a little more panic. Yeah. On, no, not more panic. <laughs> because when you wind down. Yeah. You know, you wound down. Right. You know. That could take a while, right? But um, yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did a lot of acid too. Yeah. With Hawkwind, yeah. Well, do you think that my experience? I didn't do a lot. The, I did some, and uh, you know, it, it kind of changed the way I thought during it. But I don't know if it changed the way I thought for the long haul. It changed what I thought. It did. But I probably took a lot more than you. Yeah, I'm sure it was probably better. <laughs> yeah, it was probably cleaner. It was yeah. probably real acid. Yeah. How did it change your perception? It made me judge people different. It, a, ma it made me see people different. In a better way? Yeah. And worse. Oh, yeah? You know. What, you feel like you could tell where they were coming from right away? Well, you think so, you know, because you're on acid. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't really think it helped me any because I still got taken to the cleaners yeah. by our old manager, but all the same. I wouldn't have missed it. I think that's the that's the key to having uh, to having good drug experiences is going into it with the right frame of mind <laughs> <laughs> and coming out with the same one if you can, if yeah. you can. So the big three, the Beatles, and the and then the the bands you were playing in. Were you, did you, did you do you miss guitar? I mean, did you did you? No, I was a really mediocre guitarist. Yeah, I was good on rhythm, but then it went out of fashion. Uh, yeah, no more rhythm. No, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Switch to bass just the right time. So, all right. So you go through acid, start the, to going through the speed. You're doing Hawkwind. You're doing the fucking, you know, mind-blowing, kind of like out-there music. Right. And then you just fucking focus in on the MC5, and you just nail it. You just start rocking hard. Now, Chrissy Hine talked about when the Heartbreakers first came to, to London. Yeah. And she said that it, it blew everything up. Yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah, we went to see him at the Roxy. With you were with her? No, no, we just went down there. But I think she was in there. Yeah, with some of the, you know, one of her pompadours. But they they were great for about what a month. They they hung out for in in London for a month. Oh yeah, but then they got back into heroin. Oh fuck, man. That dude, it, it was like, see, because I have no sense of that. Like, you know, when you talk about seeing the Beatles and having to be mind-blowing, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. I mean, no one's ever going to have that experience no, again. right. And you, like, and I imagine you, well, you dealt with Hendrix, right? Oh, well, I should work for him. Yeah, I mean, I can't. So you were you there that Sunday when he blew everyone away? When he first went to England that night that when, um, when like, you know, uh, Townsend was there no, and collapsed? I wasn't, was I wasn't there for that one. That was in the Scotch. It wasn't one of the... Good places. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. It wasn't. A, what do you mean? It was lame, you know. Yeah. Oh, really? It's all these rock, ex rock stars sitting around <laughs> talking about their last hit. You know. <laughs> they were all still around though. Like when I talked to, I talked to uh, Richard Thompson. 
Yeah. So all the that's the amazing thing about London. It seems it's like all you guys were there at the same time, different ages, but right. it was just sort of around, right? Yeah. They were just sort of around, looking at other people, thinking it was over, thinking they were over, and yeah, yeah. all all of that stuff. But bands are like that. Yeah. You know, if you knew, and you ever hit, you know, cock of the walk, and it, you know, despise everybody else. Cocky. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the Stones? Yeah, yeah. I Back saw then. The Stones in Hyde Park when they did that thing for Brian right and released all these butterflies yeah and they all went and sat on the ground and people trod on them so you were walking through this mush of <laughs> mud and butterflies you know <laughs> that's a I guess that's an apt tribute to Brian I guess <laughs> <laughs> fair enough yeah <laughs> oh this is a fucking when hippie shit goes wrong man I know <laughs> there's one guy who released 200 frogs no at the roundhouse Come on. And I mean, it's enclosed, right? Where, for what band? It might have been the Faces, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. But they released them and they were hopping about and people yeah. were just treading on them. You know? Sad dead frogs <laughs> everywhere. Fucking horrible mess. You know? <laughs> Set them free, you know. Like. <laughs> Let the frogs go. Oh, the Faces, fuck. They were a good band, no? They were. I like the small faces better than the Faces. What, what was the difference, Marriott? Yeah. That guy could sing, huh? Yeah, you never heard a voice like that. Pink Floyd, too? Yeah, I saw them. With Sid? Yeah. Oh, man. You saw everybody. I saw everybody. Jesus, fuck. Almost everybody. I didn't see the Yardbirds. I just didn't get to see him because I wasn't in London. Oh. I was up north. How about The Who? The Who, I've seen a lot. Yeah, from, all, from early on when they were just R&B to yeah. when they kind of did something else? Yeah, well, actually, they were a, a cover band, soul, soul cover band. Right, right. So who the who was the ones that, like, outside the MC5, what were the guys that really compelled you to, like, sort of, like, I got to fucking get there? I was already compelled. Yeah. Because we saw this show on TV called Oh Boy, and uh, Cliff Richard was resident on it. Yeah. And he was our Elvis, you know. Right. So he was always surrounded by these screaming chicks yeah. with hot pants on. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And I thought, that's the job for me, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's a good reason to get in. A lot of people get into show business for that reason. Yeah, well, you know, it's the best one I can think of. When did they start coming around? Was it was it before Motorhead or when Motorhead happened? Oh, yeah. I, I'd always done all right with chicks. Yeah, yeah. I took them into it, you know. Sure. You got game. Yeah. Yeah. You got a few kids, right? The, the, here and there? Two and a half. Two and a half? Yeah. The the one, the one half is the one where well, you don't know that one? No, the half is the one where my roadie and me yeah. foot this chick on two separate nights. <laughs> right. It's, you're not sure. So she, well, she called it Lemmy, you know. Yeah. But then I was better known than my roadie, so that's probably why that was. And and one one found you after many years, or how what happened? What's no, the story? no, I, I, I knew uh, the second one. Yeah. But I never met the first one because he was adopted at birth. So you never, n never no. waiting for that knock on the door? No, no, I don't, I don't mind you. Yeah. Know. No, no. But yeah. I don't think I should interfere right. with this life. Sure. Because he's with people you might think they're his real parents. Right. Well, yeah. You know, I don't sure. fuck that up, you know. And I, I watched on the documentary, so the. The th what is it, your third son, built you got a relationship with him, right? You guys get along all right? No, my second son. Second son? Yeah. That must have been, that's good to have, right? 
Yeah. yeah. He's really good guitar player. He's a lot better than me. Is he on this <laughs> record at all? No. You don't play together in uh, Motorhead? No, he Ever. comes on stage now and again, plays a song, you know. He lives here too? Yeah, he lives there too. So when the Heartbreakers came, how did that change the game? It was just that they were really good and really fierce. Yeah. They didn't change anything. No? They weren't around long enough. Oh, they are so back in the hole, you know. So fucking sad, man. So many guys get, went down from that shit. Oh, no. You never got involved with that shit? No, never. Because you, you, you well, I mean, I'm a, either you're an up guy or a down guy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, I'm up. Yeah, yeah I know, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. And uh, the terrible thing is, it kills somebody in every band, one person. Yeah. And then they infect the rest, you know? Right. It's really, it's like a disease. It takes that one dude to turn everybody on, then everything just turns to shit. Yeah. You lost people in your bands from heroin? Oh, no, we, I don't. You I, didn't? I won't have it around me. No, oh, you? Oh, really? You were yeah. like, fuck that shit. I don't like it, man. I killed my old lady. Killed a lot of my friends. Yeah. Fuck. All right, so let's talk the records then. So uh, Motorhead, that record did all right? That didn't do anything. <laughs> Overkill. Overkill was the first hit we had. How far, how up, high up, how high up the charts? Twelve, I think. Really? And then Bomber went in number four, and then Ace of Spades went in, I think, two. But we never got the number one. God damn it! Well, we got it with the record after that, the live one. Yeah. No sleep till Hammersmith. People love that record. Yeah, they do still. Oh yeah, man. Metalheads, like, you know, it seems to me, like, from my, you know, I'm not specifically a metal guy, but it seems to me that you invented the, what became modern metal. Like, after that, whatever the Deep Purple generation was, that you brought the pace to it. I don't know. I think it was all of us, you know. Yeah, who do you consider all of you? Well, you know, the ones that were at the same time as me, like Saxon. Yeah. You know, and uh, who else? I don't fucking know now. I don't know what age everybody is. But, like, there was a whole wave of it when we was, we'd been together about a year. And there's a whole wave of it, about a thousand bands, you know. Yeah, yeah. You've lived here how long? 20 years? 21 years, yeah. In that apartment that I saw on television? No. No? You I moved? Moved. You did? Yeah, I bought a condo. Oh, wow. Was it hard to leave that apartment? No. It was hard to pack it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I still have it actually it's called my mother's stuff in it oh you still oh you keep the apartment yeah well that's good yeah, is the condo bigger it's nicer more yeah. room for your shit it's more elegant <laughs> shall we say <laughs> got finer display cases for your uh, paraphernalia and whatnot. Uh, same I, I couldn't put them together again you know I mean I, I do them all you know individual right right I buy a badge in, from a certain organization and then, yeah. Stick it in there, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of them are overflown, but. When did that obsession start? Uh, let's see. About 76, I think. Somebody gave me a flag and a Iron Cross. Yeah, know? yeah. That's a real Iron Cross. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First World War. First World War. What's the fascination there? Do you just like the. Um, there was it was funny. There was a flea market. I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and there was a there was a flea market there in the fairgrounds. And there was this Jewish doctor that used to go there every weekend and sell Nazi shit. And it yeah, was like right. <laughs> it was it, it was fascinating. It's always the, the chief dealer in New York 
is a big Jewish guy. Really? And his family give him shit about it. And he yeah. says, hey, you don't like it? Buy it. Take it next door and burn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, is there still, a, like, it's, is it expensive, that shit? I mean, does it get pretty pricey? Depends what you're talking about, you know. What's your most prized possession? I don't know, really. I've got a couple of uh, Damascus Steelers. Yeah, yeah, that's the good stuff. It's all right? layered and twisted. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Those are expensive things. But the most expensive one I ever saw was Herman Goering's hunting dagger. Oh, yeah? And it, there was two of them. Yeah. His brother-in-law had one Yeah. made for him and one for himself. And this was his brother-in-law's dagger. Yeah. And the price started at 100000 Jesus Christ. I mean, we're not talking about hippies and skinheads here. Yeah. This is doctors and, yeah, yeah. you know. I just think it looks cool, you know. Well, there, yeah, you know, I got to admit, you know, and, and I'm a, you know, I, I was brought up a Jew, but that shit's heavy stuff and it looks, you know, it does look fucking gnarly and cool. Yeah, well, this is just as Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> didn't take so long. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it, didn't, it didn't quite catch on, thank God. We'd all be wearing them, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty close there, man. It was touch and go for a little while. I'm tattooed on your forehead. Yeah, exactly. What is that hat? The hat I had this made. That's just a, that's a Lemmy insignia? A Lemmy hat. Yeah. Yeah. You got guys that do all your outfitting now? Well, no. I mean, if you want something that's unusual, you have to get it made. Well, how'd you decide on the insignia on there? I didn't. Oh. I just came into possession of it somehow. Oh, you you don't know what it is? Yeah, I know what it is. What is it? Well, the the swords are cavalry and the grenades, the grenadiers. Okay. Do you own? Uh, do you go out and shoot? No. No. Don't like um, guns. I like daggers. They're much more personal. <laughs> yeah. You, you know? kill them up close. Well, no. But if you put a knife in somebody, yeah, you got to feel them jerk. Yeah. And get their blood on you. Yeah. And listen to them die if you got it right. Right. And I think if that was what you had to do every time you kill somebody, there'd be a lot less of it around. Yeah, you certainly think twice. There's sort of an, there's an intimacy to it. Yeah, I mean, even even with like classic dueling, there's a sort of weird procedure yeah, to it. All right. Yeah, you yeah. it, it makes you got to think about it. Yeah, you know, twenty paces, and then you know, all right, for the whole twenty, you're going. Oh, what the fuck did I know, get into? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, is this that important? Yeah. Is that chick's honor really that important? Yeah, really. <laughs> Give him the chicken call it quits. <laughs> yeah. So now, what was your relationship? What did you you worked with um, with the Aussie, right? Yeah. How did they call you in? Like, what what were you to? What was your assignment? Well, I knew them anyway from Britain. You know. You saw them when they were starting out. No. No. I still hadn't seen them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he left them, and he was on his own. You know. Yeah. And I thought he was much better by himself. Yeah. You know, I He's still a good do. Sing- He's a good singer. Yeah. yeah, well, I wouldn't say he was a good singer. <laughs> he's, he's Aussie. He's Aussie. Yeah. And the guy has charisma Yeah, all over him like a fucking cloak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah. it doesn't matter if the band's great, you don't care. Yeah. Aussie comes on. Everybody watches him. Yeah, yeah. He's one of them guys. He's you got know? a thing. Yeah. There's a few of those guys around. Not too many, but a few, no. huh? But, well, yeah, what, what the fuck was... Hendrix was like that. Yeah. What'd you do for him? I was just rode in. For how long? He wasn't around that long, right? About eight months. Yeah? 
Did you learn anything? Yeah, I learned that I would give up a guitar and play bass instead. <laughs> yeah. Was he a good guy? Yeah, he was great. Well, I used to score acid for him too. Oh, you did? I'd give him 10 and he'd give me three. And, yeah. and take seven. He'd take know. seven? Yeah, so. He was out there, huh? That was the sort of habit I got into. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, knew, you knew the deal? Well, he didn't want to seem like a pussy, you know what I mean? Sure. Did he ever get too far out there to play? No. He always pulled it off, huh? No, I said, you know, you can do anything you like. Yeah. As long as you got the concentration. So you got to hold the frame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fixed. Yeah. 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 And sometimes that's a little bit of a fight, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> Things start shaking on the sides. Yeah, that's okay, but like, forget them. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that's an illusion. That's the <laughs> illusion. So, um, but as a, as a band with those guys, I mean, did you pick up anything when, I mean, because you're a band leader, really. I mean, fundamentally, right? Well, I, I wasn't then. Right, but did you? Was there was there things you picked up from that, that experience in other bands? From Hendrix, I picked up a few moves. Yeah, but I mean, he's a guitar player, you know. And yeah. I, I was never a good guitar player, so I didn't, you know, get anything from that. But Redding was. A, did you hang out with him too? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was. I shared a flat with him for a while. Yeah. And me and Neville and. Noel and this chick called Lisa, and we were all piled on top of each other all the time, you know. Like, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he wasn't cool, you know. No, like he keeps saying that fucking Hendrix hogging all the limelight. Oh, really? Yeah, I was the best guitar player in Kent, you know. <laughs> he didn't appreciate it at all, really. You know? Didn't get it completely bitter, just dumb, yeah, lame, you know, yeah, yeah. How do you pick up those guys? Why do you choose those guys? They came to auditions and in Britain. Yeah, yeah. And he just said, "You guys are the experience." Yeah. Wild, and that guy never appreciated any of it. So when you moved here, um, what was the plan, man? Why'd you leave England? Oh, I, I don't have a plan. No. <laughs> no, I I'm very impulsive. Yeah. And I, did you did you, be, did you get your citizenship and all that shit? Well, no. What I thought was. I had the chance to move here. Yeah. Because we, we were managed by Phil Carson, who was then offered a job at Victory Records in Japan. Yeah. And left, you know. <laughs> and he passed us on to, uh, for a little while, we were managed by, um, what's her name? Fucking Ozzy's wife. Uh, Sharon. Sharon. Yeah. And then she bailed as well. I don't know. It's always it's been disaster, you know, the whole life. Yeah. But you know, it's pretty good. So you, compared with ordinary people's disasters. No, I think that's true. Yeah. It's an interesting life that you know you live as a fucking artist. Are you bitter about it? No. No. Not for a moment. Well, it seems like everybody in the world respects Motorhead and respects you. But do you do you would you have liked to have been a bigger band? No, I'm all right with it. Yeah, yeah. Now, this new record, man, so how do you feel about it? Is I it... think it's great. Yeah? It's one of the best we've ever done, I think. What, how come? Why do you feel that way? We, we got a bit clever on this one, you know. Yeah? We were building up to it the last four. Yeah? Or so. But we got a bit clever on this one. It sounds really good. And uh, in terms of production, who did the production on it? Oh, me and Cameron. So you do it all now? Yeah. Yeah, you can trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Cameron is good like that. Yeah. Because he'll say no. 
You need you somebody know. to say no, well, yeah. Well, a lot of people are intimidated by us. Yeah. You know, they don't say shit. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, let him go. Don't make any waves. <laughs> don't yeah. piss Lemmy off. Right. Do you have a reputation of being an angry guy? No, no. I don't think so. No. For people who don't know me are scared. Right. You know. I was a little nervous. <laughs> 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 What's your favorite joke, Lemmy? On the radio? Yeah, no, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're free to say whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, yeah, but probably the best one I got was uh, Jesus walking around heaven, you know, checking everybody out. Yeah. And everybody's blissful fucking harps and yeah. halos and that. And Jesus looked all fella sitting in a corner, crying his fucking eyes out, you know, miserable as fuck. And he says, excuse me, he said, you're in heaven, you know what I mean? He said, people go to church five times a week, every week of their lives to get up here. He said, you're here, you've made it, so what's the matter? The old guy says, well, he said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cause any trouble, he said, but when I was on earth, I was just a poor carpenter, you know, and we had nothing. And we had this little boy, and I wanted him to follow me into the carpentry business, you know. But then he said he had to go away on a mission, and he went off into the desert with 12 fellows, and we never saw him again, he said. And I was hoping, he said, that when I got up here, you know what I mean, I'd see him again, but I'd lose everywhere and I can't find him, and he's really cracking me up. And Jesus, with tears streaming down his face, goes, Father, and the guy says, Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for talking to me, man, and uh, have a good time on the tour. Thank you. That's the Lemmy. That's Lemmy. Godspeed, Lemmy. I hope he's all right. And I want to thank Richard Thompson as well. It's kind of an interesting show. Both these dudes that grew up, you know, from were there at the birth of rock and roll or whenever it, it got to England and whatever came out of England and they both had very interesting stories about growing up and who they saw and I, I like that I like that connection go to WTFpod.com for all your WTF pod needs my tour dates for Australia are there I'm going to be there in October in Sydney Melbourne and Brisbane State Theatre in Sydney, Australia, October 15th the Palais Theatre in Melbourne, Australia October 16th and Brisbane City Hall October 17th in Brisbane, Australia. Please uh, get your tickets so they know that it's going to be okay. I know it's going to be okay one way or the other. I'll be there uh, unless something goes weird. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to play guitar today. What, do you think I'm going to fucking play guitar after Richard Thompson? Do you really think I'm going to do that? Come on. Boomer lives! Boomer lives!